Welcome to the Hair Metal Podcast uh, here on the Fandom Podcast Network. Uh, the Hair Metal Podcast looks back at thrash, glam, and pop metal band music, events, and everything else that heavily influenced the 80s and early 90s hair metal movement. We are proud to discuss the music, the lifestyles, and nostalgia of 80s hair metal. This is Hair Metal Podcast Episode 20, 80s Rock Metal Bands That Should Have Been a Lot Bigger. My name is Kevin. I'll be your host, but hey, need some help here. Before we head on over to the Hollywood Sunset, uh, the Hollywood Sunset Strip, hit up Gazzari's, the Troubadour, the Roxy, the Cat House, the Whiskey Go-Go. Maybe get some drinks, some late night dinner at the Rainbow Bar and Grill or Rock and Roll Denny's. I'd like to introduce my guest for this episode of the Hair Metal Podcast. Please welcome Mr. Mike Simmer. What's up, buddy? What's up, Kev? How you doing this evening? Good, good, good. Thank you so much for joining me, man. You uh, you answered the call in the Hair Metal Podcast. I was looking for some people to help me out here. Uh, what drove you to uh, to do this? Well, it's my pleasure to be here. Uh, honored to be here, actually. <clears throat> um, this is just something I've been discussing for 35 years, ever since the hair metal scene. And uh, I was always witnessing it from afar, being on the East Coast. Uh, always dreamt that one day that I would be cool enough to make it over to sunset strip and uh just was a was a huge fan of the music for a long time and all the facebook groups all that you wanted someone to help you out here and i said i think that i'd be, be able to do that <laughs> well i appreciate that man and tell us a little bit about yourself and your hair metal fandom born and raised in pittsburgh um live in philadelphia now um was a guitar player for years always into music uh, when I was growing up, I was raised on Motown and funk and things like that. And once I heard Come On, Feel the Noise, it went the pendulum swung the whole other way. You um, and me both, brother. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was like, huh. I mean, I was never I never heard Black Sabbath or anything like that until years later. Iron Maiden, anything like that. I always discovered that after hair metal. So once I heard Come On, Feel the Noise, then it was Motley Crue and Rat. Uh, and then sort of dug my uh, dug my claws into other things like Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath. So I was kind of late to the game with a lot of metal because I grew up on other types of music. Gotcha. Yeah, that uh, that quite right album that turned the table for me. But you also uh, deal with music recently in a job. Tell us about that. Yeah, I teach a uh, a music history class for a seventh grade. I'm a middle school teacher. I also do writing for the school as well, and I teach a public speaking class. My seventh grade music class is one of the most popular for the kids. It basically covers from the blues of the 30s all the way up till about the early 2000s. And we cover just about everything. And we teach it as a social studies class. What was nice. happening culturally, how, how the culture affected the music, how the music affected the culture of that time. So right now we're just getting into the 1970s. That's fantastic, man. Well, I am happy to have you aboard here and talk, as I said here, Hair Metal Podcast, episode 20, the 80s rock and metal bands that should have been bigger. And this was kind of uh, brought together. We were kind of talking about some bands uh, which have made this list, ones that uh, should have been a lot bigger. And also a discussion happened in our Hair Metal Podcast fandom group. Uh, so if you're not part of that already, please head on over to uh, Facebook and check out the Hair Metal Podcast fandom group there. And if you're listening to this podcast, please jump over to YouTube and watch the video because we're going to have a bunch of cool slides uh, talking about the bands that should have been a lot bigger. 
And of course, uh, this is the Hair Metal Podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network, and we are going to be covering a lot of 80s metal. Very excited about that. But one of the things I like to have a little fun with there, uh, Mike, is uh, I always like to have our guests wear some type of fun T-shirt. Maybe there's a little bit of story behind it. What shirt are you wearing? Is there a story behind it? So I'm rocking the, the Rainbow Bar and Grow shirt. Nice. Uh, it, was, it was growing up, like I said, being on the East Coast and, and the Sunset Strip may as well have been on the moon for me. Growing up, <laughs> I, was, I was lucky enough to finally get to the Rainbow in 2021. And I liked it so much that I went back in the summer of 2022. Um, nice. It was, it was just, it was. Did you get the pretty, shirt there or did you get it elsewhere? Got the shirt there. I should have done that the last time I was there. I didn't even yeah. think about asking for a darn shirt. I got shirt <laughs> matches, uh, coasters, anything that, that, that I could get my hands on. I took. If you spend enough time uh, at the Rainbow Bar and Grill, you would see Lemmy. Let me kill Meister from Motorhead because that was like a second home for him. He'd be playing yeah. like the he'd be playing like the uh, the video games or whatever it was the poker the the video poker or whatever oh, yeah. it was that was there. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, he was a staple of that. And they still hold concerts there in the parking mm-hmm. lot. I think there's mm-hmm. one coming up in 2024. I know Skid uh, um, Sebastian Bach's going to be there. They're going to have um, I think. Uh, Eddie Trunk's going to come out again for that. He's been hosting those. And so they still make a big deal about it. And it's still, it's still there. It's still happening. Food's not the greatest food, but it's still fun. <laughs> the, pizza, the, pizza, the pizza was surprisingly good. It was surprisingly good. I thought they were bragging about the pizza and I thought, mm, you know, being from the East coast, is it going to be as good? And it was, it was surprisingly good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, I'm wearing my DAD shirt. Uh, which we will be getting into a little bit later. And I have a little story behind this shirt, but I'm going to share it wait for later. Uh, one of my favorite uh, hair metal bands uh, from the uh, 80s uh, that didn't quite hit over here, but uh, they do have quite a popular following. And I got this uh, at the concert I went to uh, last year when they played in Australia. So I was there to see that. That was a great show. Nice. So. Uh, have you seen any recent concerts lately? Anything, uh, you know, of the era maybe? Not of the, I mean, of the era, we, what we saw just in the past couple of years, we saw like guns, faster pussycat, um, Tom Keeper, Cinderella, <laughs> Dawkins. we saw, which was an experience, which has been, was rather odd experience when George Lynch came out for the last two songs. Wow. Which, which we were wondering what was he doing the entire rest of the show? <laughs> um, I saw Sebastian Bach a few years ago, uh, just as Sebastian Bach. And I always try to catch uh, Jeff Tate when he comes here as much as I possibly can. Nice. We have a, we have a place here in Philly that caters to that type of music, that, that sort of scene uh, that we always go to. I, before I moved back to California in 2019, I was living in Georgia and there was some great venues out there. Uh, and, uh, um, I saw, I've seen a lot like faster pussycat enough's enough. Um, you know, I saw, uh, the versions of bang tango and bullet boys. I'll just put it that way. I saw, I saw, I saw Jackal. Uh, and then when I came back out to L or out here to California, I saw iron maiden, uh, which was really cool. Uh, and then last year, um, in when I was visiting Melbourne, uh, because my wife's from there, we saw guns and roses on their, um, rescheduled, tour of australia and uh uh, new zealand and that was a lot of fun uh recently though i've seen a yacht rock band twice uh two different types of yacht rock band but i was in australia and um the 
Ricky Rackman was doing his one foot in the gutter spoken yes. word tour. And I'd been listening to his podcast, the uh, um, Hollywood Cat House podcast, and he was promoting that. And I happened to be in Australia in Melbourne and went to go see a show. And he's really cool. I got to hang out and talk with him. And my wife and I got a picture with him up there. And that's the picture up there on the left. And then the band that we saw was Yacht Rock Revival. Uh, been a lot of fun uh, listening to Yacht Rock music and seeing them play live. And then the band on the right, the top and the bottom, that is a very popular, um, uh, they've been around for over 30 years now, a band called Chocolate Starfish in Australia. Okay. They're, very, they're very popular in Australia. They open up for a lot of festivals. And uh, our my friend Zach actually is their guitar player. And I met him through my wife because they have mutual friends. And uh, we saw them play a show. And that particular show was awesome because they did the entire um, meatloaf um discography from bad out of hell wow. one and two um i'm forgetting the gentleman's name that wrote all those songs but they yeah even, i forget his uh, name too yeah but mm -hmm. even did some songs that he did from other projects but they did all of the meatloaf material and wow. it was fantastic it was it was a lot of fun so yeah summer uh, summer 22 uh we when we were in la uh, we did get to see uh it was always one of my dreams to not just go the rainbow but also go the whiskey and we saw we saw Yachtly Crew at the Whiskey. I uh, saw them in Ventura. They were fun. I actually liked yeah, them better than the Australian one. <laughs> blast. You know, the funny thing is, is I know a lot of hair metal fans who are addicted to Yacht Rock. I don't know what the crossover. That's is. because there's a there's a lot of influence of those artists from those that music, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we've been uh, we've been enjoying our Yacht Rock uh, reviews and such. I I had tickets to see a uh, Wasp this summer yep. but blackie had to cancel the tour because he had to have back surgery or something like yeah that. we so. saw we saw that I, I believe it was last year i think i saw that yeah um, arnold saint was gonna open up for it i'd never seen them before so yeah, they, they opened up when we saw them here in philadelphia it was really it was a really really good show cool really. cool 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 well let's go ahead and let's get into the main topic here <laughs> All right, Hair Metal Podcast, episode 20, 80s rock and metal bands that should have been bigger. Now, keep in mind, we are discussing more of the hair metal era. Some of these might bleed into the early 90s because uh, some of them were just getting in right on the coattails before they were yanked out underneath them, basically. Yeah. Uh, but I did find uh, a article, and that article uh, – is called 80 lesser known hard rock metal bands from the eighties that should have been bigger. And, uh, when I was looking at it, uh, Mike, I was, I was surprised that there was a lot of them that I had forgotten about, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was a lot. I say, Oh my God, not only forget, I'll forget their names and then I'll go on YouTube and look at, look up their stuff and be like, Oh, now I remember them. Yeah, yeah, this is the uh, uh this is the article here that I have here and I decided to pick a few here that I thought that we should we should discuss here. And uh the first one that I put the slide out of order here so let me get it. Tiger Tales. Uh this is a this was UK's version of Poison. Musically their debut was much heavier than Poison. The band yeah. featured vocalist Stevie James with a Z on vocals who had more of a gruff voice than the then that contributed to a band sounding less like bubblegum glam band and more like a sleaze rock band in vein of LA guns or faster pussycat young and crazy was a fantastic debut. And the band parted ways with Stevie James after this release. Do you remember tiger tales? 
I mean, barely. I mean, they probably were on Headbanger's Ball real late. Like, you know, that, at 155, they were probably on through them on at the very end. Um, I think they had a song called Love Bomb Baby, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they, I, you know, so many of these bands, you know, that we'll talk about, their, their look was was either advantageous to them or their downfall. Yeah, think, yeah definitely. Tiger, Tal- Tiger Tales, is, is a, their look was a downfall. Uh, one of that. the other one of the other bands uh, that was on this list is Danger Danger released their self-titled debut in 1989 with the help of MTV had the success of the single Naughty Naughty. They also had the song Bang Bang. <laughs> uh, the We're band mixed in there. We're sensing What's a theme. that? We are sensing yeah. a theme there. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, they didn't release their second album until 1991. And by then the 80s metal genre was already in decline due to the changing taste in music. Currently the band continues to record and perform. And though they've had a few lineup changes over the years, including different vocalists, they still had a devoted fan base. Um, I noticed they have a huge following in Japan. Uh, they, they tend to go to a lot of shows there, but one of the things that I liked about this, this uh, band, Mike, is that all their songs were about girls and getting laid. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, well, that that gets right into the '80s. I mean, that's, yes, yeah, that's, that that tracks with that time period. Uh, yeah, it's it's so it's so. I don't know what it is about uh, that Japanese audience. I mean, God bless them that they're keeping so much of this stuff alive. Yeah. But I don't know why that stuff translated so well over to that to that side of the world. I I, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's there's still talk about Mr. Big is huge there. Mr. Big is huge over there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Indonesia uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I don't know what the, why that, that part of the world was, was, was so hooked on that type of music and remains that way. They, Um, they had their thing. So God bless them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great. One of the other bands this article mentioned is a band I liked Gorky Park out of Russia after the fall of communism in the USSR. The Russian band quickly embraced the Western culture of rock and metal. They were signed to Mercury Records and they released their debut album in 1989. The band released Bang as their first single and was the first Russian band to be uh, featured on MTV. They also received radio airplay with singles like Try to Find Me and Peace in Our Time. And this is when I remember seeing them perform live for the first time. They performed at the Moscow Music Peace yes, Festival, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, Skid Row, Cinderella, Ozzy Osbourne, the Scorpions. Uh, I actually did a podcast about that uh, Moscow Music Peace Festival, Peace Festival, Mike, with our good friend Johnny K on the anniversary nice. of it, because I actually did the pay-per-view on MTV to watch it. And I still have the original VHS tape I recorded it from. (laughs) Somewhere around, somewhere around, I think I still have the original Live Aid on VHS. Wow! Do you remember Gorky Park? I do, I do, and I and I remember the Moscow Music Festival too. And and correct me if I'm wrong, the Moscow Music Festival was put on because somebody owed somebody some money, or somebody got. No, what happened was uh, the the manager, uh, Doc McGee, Doc McGee yes. for all of these bands got busted for cocaine trafficking. Yes. Yes. And uh, he, to get out of jail, he said that he would do a, uh, it was a community service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, put, he put it, this was, this was supposed to be an anti-drug and alcohol awareness thing. And everyone but Motley Crue was like plastered in doing yeah, drugs. Right. <laughs> you know, if, they were trying Motley, to get clean. <laughs> if Motley Crue's the sober ones, you may have yes. some issues. Yeah. Yes. 
The next band, the, this a group, uh, this article mentioned is Icon. And uh, I don't, I'm not, I know who they are. I remember a few of their things, but they released their debut album in 84. The band showed extreme talent and promise for the future. Then in 85, they released the appropriately named Night of the Crime because it's simply a crime that this album didn't top the hard rock metal charts at the time. If any band had had everything that it needed to hit, it was Icon, one of the best albums that came out in the 80s. It's criminally underrated. The band seems to suffer from a lack of exposure problems. Uh, and it kind of goes on to some of the other uh, um, uh, bands that they toured with. Do you remember Icon? And that that one's a new one to me. I do not know them. I'll have to check them out because I, do, I, don't, I don't know the album cover. Usually, you know, I was working at a record store in the mid-80s uh, in my misguided teenage years. And and I would sometimes I would sometimes I would just recognize the cover. I, I don't rec- recognize that cover at all. Yeah, I don't remember them at all at the time. And obviously they they weren't promoted correctly or what have you. But also I didn't hear about them until I started diving back deep into hair metal back in the early 2000s when finally grunge was dead. And I was getting sick of rap metal. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what's Icon? And it was playing on one of those uh, hair metal stations on in- some internet radio station that I was listening to. I'm like, damn, these guys are good. So yeah, they still, uh, still around it all or no? Uh, it says here that uh, they had a album. What was it? Uh, they did have something in 89, but that was the, yeah, that was the, that was the most recent one. So I, I doubt they're together anymore. So, so. They're, so they're probably all working at Guitar Center. Probably, yeah. (laughs) All right, the last band that uh, this article mentions, and I completely agree with this choice here, is Jet Boy. Originally based in San Francisco, Jet Boy relocated to L.A. in the 80s to be part of the growing glam hair metal scene at the time. Jet Boy fused everything from metal, punk, and rockabilly into their sound. Their debut album, Feel the Shake, 1988, was a modest success, but it took the band two years to release a follow-up, and by then the scene had begun to disappear. Jet Boy would go on to release albums, uh, album Damnation in 90, and they had several others uh, in 97, 99, and uh, they did release a recent album in 2019. They have kind of oh, reunited wow. and gotten together. The This was one of the Cat House Hollywood band mm-hmm. house bands, basically. Right. I know that uh, for a fact that uh, Ricky Rackman loved these guys. They were they were kind of the band's band. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Bands, yeah. all other popular bands loved Jet Boy. They would have Jet Boy open up for them. They would go to see Jet Boy at these small clubs. They had a huge following. Chicks dug him as well. Another uh, good band that should have gotten a lot bigger. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, you take a look at those two pictures, and and you know, there's so many bands of that era. Like I said about the image. And it looks like they were kind of stuck, you know, they, they yeah. were stuck between, they're stuck between, I mean, you know, on the right, it looked like they were in Guns N' Roses and the left, it looked like they were just straight hair metal. So yeah, so yep. it, it, it may be an issue that they just were stuck between two looks. Yeah. Two of the guys would rock Mohawks, at least the lead singer did. And I thought that was cool, you know, mm-hmm, but it yeah. was like, you know, it was like, it was kind of hair metal, which was kind of cool, but they had, yeah. they had a great sound. There was a rockabilly, there was blues. Uh, punk they just man and they had such good stage energy as well they were awesome so uh before we get into the main topic of our picks mm-hmm. it's time to look at what our group in the hair metal podcast uh, group said uh, because i i shared an article what rock metal band should have been bigger and mm-hmm. uh, our fellow members did not disappoint uh my buddy bj savage says Bang Tango, L.A. Guns, Sea Hags, Faster Pussycat, King's X, 
Badlands, Lynch Mob, Death Angel, and Trouble. Yeah. And I forgot to, I asked, because I had not heard of Trouble, and he uh, put a link to a YouTube video, and got to say, they sounded really, really good. There's so many bands of that era that just sounded so, so good. Um, yeah. And, King's and, X is always... Now you're you're not a fan of King's X, right? Or is it, not is a it fan King's? of King's X? I never yeah. I never dug them. I never I never kind of understood them. And another band who was I was always kind of scratching my head about what do they want to be? Uh, was it was it prog rock? Was it what the, what, what exactly did they want to be? I think that's might have been why that would held them back. But I got a chance to finally see them live in Georgia back in 2018, and God, they were really really good. But yeah, they uh, you know they had a certain look that kind of got attention for the late eighties, early nineties, but I think they just kind of became, you know, they had a hard, they have a hardcore fan base. that just follows them anywhere. And they've been playing around ever since. So, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, listen, they're, they're doing something right. They've been around forever. Yeah. They're they're doing something right. My friend Queenie Meadows says I'd add dangerous toys, blackboard jungle and billionaire. Uh, I had not heard of billionaire. Yeah, yeah, You go going back to the previous post about badlands. Oh yes, which I thought would have been huge, but I the um read an article recently about the lead singer who yeah died and and had some really troubled last couple years. Yeah, I got a chance to see them play live, and I was blown away how good Badlands was. And yeah, the the singer uh, fell ill and had some issues, and. that kind of created a cloud over the yep. over yep. the legacy of that band and reason why they hadn't re-released any of their albums before. Yep. Uh, and Jakey Lee was just fantastic. He's a, he's a monster. I mean, he's an yeah. absolute monster. And yeah. and someone who another head scratcher of you know why couldn't he have made it work wherever he went? Um, is he difficult to work with, or does he? I've never heard a bad word said about him, but for yeah. some reason he just can't can't make it work somewhere. Yeah, I mean, think about uh, it. he was a rat. He was in. Then he went to Ozzy. So you know. Yeah. Uh, Paul Jude said Cinderella should have been almost as big as Crew or GNR, and I thought this was a good pick. They were popular. They still are a lot popular in some of the bands we're going to talk about. But they were always like opening up for the big bands. They were like the B band, not the A band. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But man. They- Tom Kiefer was like a blues guitar master genius, great lyricist. Mm -hmm. I, I, dude, maybe the name held them back. I don't know, but they should have been bigger. Philly band, right? So, um, and there's actually a a girl that I work with who uh, is of our age group, and she saw all them. She saw them at a a place um, actually near my house that's no longer there. and she saw Cinderella there. She saw Bon Jovi there. It was the place to go. And Cinderella was always the biggest draw. And I think, you know, take a look back at Night Songs. They were they were a blues rock band. And, yeah. and they, they came up in that era where they were, their manager probably told them, listen, you got to get the hairspray. You got to get the glam look. And they were never, they never fell into that category. It just wasn't that type of music. And if yeah, if you, took, if you closed your eyes and listened to their music, it's just like, wow. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't sound like a glam band. I mean, they were they were um, MTV darlings, but they uh-huh. just didn't they they couldn't get they just could not get that we're going to open up and sell out arenas. They yeah. would be opening up for the band that would do that, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they were just almost there. Um, my friend Mark Walker says Taiketo, uh, good band. I remember them. Uh, they had the the hit uh, Forever Young. Um, they harmonized well. They were pretty good. I do remember them. Were you fans of Taiketo? Um, I don't know much about them. I do remember that that was a fr- you said Forever Young. I do remember that one, and I see that on on uh, on Sirius a lot. Um, that they do play that. Um, but that was like, they were, they were sort of deep. And remember I, you know, when I grew up in Pittsburgh, we, our exposure to, to this type of hair metal was, th- uh, we did not have a radio station that played any of this. So, okay. so Headbangers Ball was our Bible. And, yep. and after that, we would, go, <laughs> we would go to the record store to see if we could find any. So we didn't have a, a record or a, um, a, um, a station. We didn't have a KNAC. We didn't have K-Rock. We didn't have any of that. We had a, a play, a, a radio station that, specialized in classic rock. So if you wanted to hear Freebird for the one millionth time, that was, <laughs> we were lucky enough to have an LA band. I think it was KNAC that uh, played all that stuff and they would hold, they would actually hold like, I think it was a festival called the big weenie roast and it would be a big metal hair metal thing. And then it kind of evolved in, into grunge later on, but they, they would always promote what was big. And, and then of course, as you mentioned, our Bible, uh, headbangers ball. Yeah. So yeah, we, our radio station, our radio station in Pittsburgh, when a band of, of, of that level would come through your, you know, your rats, your motley crew, the radio station would come out and introduce the band and they would get booed mercilessly. The radio <laughs> station would get because everybody knew you know, you've never played any of their songs, not one of their songs. Yeah. And you're, coming out, you're coming out, sucking up the limelight, uh, introducing them when you have no interest in playing them whatsoever. <laughs> All right, man, let's go ahead and get into our main topic. Let's share our picks. All right. So what I asked Mike here to do was give me your top five picks of the 80s metal bands that should have been bigger and three honorable mentions. So we're going to start with your honorable mentions first. All right. so let's start really small, right? So, um, <laughs> growing up, growing up in Pittsburgh, uh, there was a local band. Uh, well, let's go here. Let's go. Well, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah. you want to do that one first instead well, of this we'll one? Here. We'll go, I go to Night Ranger. So, yeah, so yeah. we got to talk about Night Ranger because yeah. I asked you to talk. I used you to, to ask a band that had not been big, and and Mike, last I checked, Night Ranger was pretty big, man. Uh, Night Ranger was pretty big, but but listen, let me tell you what why. I, and I was a huge Night Ranger fan, right? A huge Night, and still am. You did send me a note. You said this comes with an explanation. I'm like, I comes, can't wait. To comes hear with this. an explanation, and I'll tell you the explanation. They should have been bigger than they were. Big band. Um, I've always felt that what killed this band was Sister Christian, and I'll tell you why. Everybody who listened to Sister Christian, and I grew up and when this came out. When Sister Christian came out, I was working at the record store. So people came to buy the Night Ranger album thinking the Night Ranger album contained songs that were similar to Sister Christian. Mm. And then they played the album and then you had, you can still rock in America. Don't tell me you love me, which were, which were a little bit harder. And that turned those people off. And then people who didn't like Sister Christian were never exposed to, you don't tell me, don't tell me you love me and you can still rock in America. So they didn't buy the album either. Right. So, so they were kind of stuck between, you know, we don't know what we want to be. And then I read an article uh, recently that they were getting beat up by the record company all the time about where's the next sister Christian? Where's the next sister Christian? So they lost their kind of hard edge. And Brad Gillis and Jeff Watson were 
were phenomenal guitar players. I mean, just yeah. off the charts, phenomenal guitar players. And I think they tried so hard to find that next sister Christian that it just, it that, that song was like, it was, it was both their success and demise. Because you know, that's the same thing that happened with, um, uh, Mr. Big with their ballad. Yeah. Their, mm-hmm. their ballad killed yeah. them too. And yeah. Addicted to that rush got kind of pushed underneath mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, the great guitar work on the rest of the song. So, well, just a quick little uh, blurb here on Night Ranger. They're from San Francisco. They formed in 1979. They gained popularity in the 80s with a series of albums and singles. Guitarist Brad Gillis and drummer Kelly Keegley, Keegy, uh, have been the band's most consistent members, though bassist Jack Blades performed on all but one of their albums. Other current members in the band include guitarist Kerry uh, Carrie Kelly and keyboardist Eric Levy and their best known songs, of course, are Christian sister, Christian rock in America. And don't tell me, you love me. I got to tell you though. And my wife and I were discussing this sister. Christian got ruined by boogie nights for me. All I can yeah, hear yeah, is yeah, Alfred yeah. Molina yeah. Uh-huh. Put, putting out firecrackers. So yeah. yeah. Just like American girl by Tom Petty got ruined because yeah. of silence. Of the Land, Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But you make a good, you make a good point. Uh, a song in a way can definitely derail uh, especially if it's a ballad and you're not producing that ballad again, yeah. you're not showcasing that because rock in America is a great anthem. Song. Great song. Great song. Yeah. And the solo and the solo on there kicks. I mean, the, 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 the dual guitar of Gillis and Watson was, was off the charts and people bought that sister Christian album or the, that album thinking, Oh, that's, it's all just a bunch of ballads. And then when yeah. they play the first song, sister Christian, I think it was the last song on side one. I don't know why I remember that. But, but, you know, the, it started off with you could still rock in America and people probably were thinking, wait, this isn't, doesn't sound anything like Sister Christian. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, I well, think that was helpful. I see your point. And yes, they could have been bigger. Uh, but yes, I think uh, Sister Christian just kind of buried that. So now the next choice you have is a local band that I had never heard of. That band is called Action with an X, A X T I O N. Tell us about Action. Uh, as far as I know, they're out of uh, Pittsburgh, but that's all. You, that's all I got. That's uh, out of Pittsburgh. Was were huge in the eighties. <clears throat> came out with "Look Out for the Night," which is an epic song. I think it's about seven minutes long. Um, it, and and they were huge in Pittsburgh. There was a local college radio station in the eighties out of University of California, Pens- of, of Pennsylvania, that used to play local metal, and Action was always at the top of the list. Sad story about them. They they were basically a tax write-off for the record company. They never were promoted. The guitarist, Darren Lazari, he went to L.A., tried to make it big there, actually auditioned for Ozzy. And he he said that he played with Ozzy. He would, Ozzy would sing. Ozzy would turn and cross his hands and look at him. And he played about two or three songs with Ozzy, went home, waited by the phone for the phone call, and never got it, and then just sort mm. of moved back to Pittsburgh. They did a reunion show, I'm gonna say about five years ago. Um, did you go? No, no, it was one I wasn't hit. One I wasn't. I didn't even actually know about it. I didn't know about it till later. I would have definitely went. I would have one hundred percent went. Um, just a really cool band. You can hear from the from the production. It's real raw. If so, you had to, I hate doing this, but if you had to compare their sound to something, can you give us? Can you give us an idea of what they sounded like? <clears throat> Queensryche, I would say. It's very Queensryche, early Queensryche. 
um, you know, you're so, hold on to the flame. You're, you know, you know that, that's okay. Not, so, I oh, well, sp- okay. So I, I put up nine songs here off this album. Look out for the night, uh, road running, spread the action, hold me tight. Fury of the tempest, precious rock. Look out for the night. Your numbers up, shoot the stars and stand up for what you believe in. Uh, mm-hmm. What would you say is their iconic song? Look out for the night. It's, 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 um, it's a huge song. Um, really guitar driven. Like I said, it's it starts out really slow. It's seven minutes long. It's on YouTube. Yeah. It's seven minutes long. Great guitar work, and and uh, but you can hear it's raw. You can hear that it's it's not produced well. If someone would have taken that album and just reproduced it, it would have been huge. Would have been gotcha. Huge. That's too bad that they were uh, tax write off, and that's uh, what happened there because they have the look. It's they have the sound. Uh, you know, great album cover by the way. I love yeah. that. Uh, they 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 had all the the pieces to play with, but just didn't happen. That's too bad. And being um, in Pittsburgh didn't help. Being in Pittsburgh didn't help you. I mean, everything was <laughs> everything was happening three thousand miles. They should have come to Hollywood and and put up flyers, man. That's what they yeah. should have done. <laughs> all right, guy. Uh, so next one you have here, your uh, third and final honorable mention, and I agree with you here is Hanoi Rocks, a Finnish band that was formed in nineteen seventy nine. They were the first Finnish band to chart in the UK. They're also popular in Japan. Uh, by 84, the band was considered to be on the verge of international breakthrough when they released their first major album for CBS, headed for their U.S. tour. The tour, however, was cut short when their drummer, Nicholas Razzle Dingley, died in a drunk driving incident that famously known uh, that was um, uh, Vince Neil was behind the wheel. Uh, in December of 84, the band recovered. Uh, the band never recovered from the loss and announced their split in June of 85. Um, I want to ask you about this. Uh, first of all, their, their most known songs are 11th Street Kids, Up and Around the Bend, which is a CCR cover, and Tragedy. I, you know, I know it sucks to lose a band member. Um, I don't understand why they couldn't replace Razzle and continue yeah, band I mean, members have died. Band members have died before, and they've got the only the only thing I can think of is if it's like, like, like if Tom Kiefer died. Yes, I get it. You don't go on with uh with Cinderella, but no offense to Razzle, I, he was the drummer. The drummer. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think maybe one of the reasons was, and I, it's just total total guess, um, is because they were from so far away, so. So because they were a Finnish band and they were and they were um, in L.A., I think maybe they became a lot closer because they were all that they knew. But I'm sure there was drummers falling out of trees and party windows that could have landed on on there and played and they could have continued. I just you would would think so. I mean, they're they 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 released going up around the bend, which which had a lot of MTV airplay, which is on headlines a lot. Um, And and you would think that that somehow the band would say, listen, we're right there. We're right there. And, and like you said, it's the drummer, which, you know, no, no disrespect to Razzle, but it's a drummer, but it was probably just so traumatic for them. I don't know, but, and they, all they had to do was say, let's just continue on with the legacy and throw in another drummer. Like you said, I mean, you could, yeah. swing a, you could swing a dead cat and find a drummer. And, and Hanoi rocks is, we mentioned it earlier. Hanoi rocks is one of those bands bands. A lot of the popular yeah. bands at that time loved Hanoi rocks and they could have opened up and toured constantly opening up for other bands until maybe they got some more momentum. Yeah. Then they could have started headlining their own tours. I just yeah, don't great understand. Front great. Yeah. Awesome front man. They could have went right into it and they were, they were 
sort of had the LA Guns, Guns N' Roses kind of look. Yeah. Before, yeah. Before, before LA Guns and Guns N' Roses. And Michael Monroe is a, not only is that a cool name, but he's a great front man, you know? Yeah. 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 Ended up going solo though. So yeah, there you go. Well, good, good choices for your top uh, three there. But let's go ahead and get into your top five. So the first one, I'd heard of these guys. This is Honeymoon Suite. They're a Canadian rock band formed in 81 in Niagara Falls, Ontario. The band's name was a nod to the fact that Niagara Falls is the official honeymoon capital of the world. Uh, so tell me, uh, by the way, I guess I picked three songs that I believe are their top three songs. New Girl Now, Burning mm. in Love, and Bad Attitude. You know a little bit more about these guys than I do. I have heard of them. I have seen a couple of their videos. Uh, why was Honeymoon uh, Honeymoon Suite number five for you? So <clears throat> Canadian band, right? Um, New Girl Now. I think really what it comes down to is that song, New Girl Now. They had a couple other sort of slow songs. One was Feel It Again, which was on Headbangers. Well, I think it definitely got MTV uh, um, play. They just, you know, I think they missed because they were just, they were just blah. They were, I mean, their look was just sort of there, right? They were, it was, it was very vanilla. They were sort of lover boy part two. And I think that's, a, I think that's a lot of people, I think that's a lot of people thought, you know, this is just, this is just repackaged. Oh my God, dude. Hold on. That's funny. Lover boy part two. I, I, I could see their, their look kind of has that quite the hair metal look and, and they're, their hair's not quite the hair metal look, right, right. but I could definitely see yeah. Lover Boy. And, and, and if you watch the New Girl Now video, yeah. and, and you don't know any better, you would say, <laughs> oh, "What Lover Boy song is this? I never heard this song before." Oh, but, that's a great but, comparison. I love so, that. So they, so they, you know, and 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 you know, a lot of these bands, you know, there's millions of bands, and you hear these tragic stories and everything. So they, so they had New Girl Now, <clears throat> and that catapults them into their second album. They bring out "Feel It Again," which was which was much slower, and they turned into almost like a hair metal yacht rock kind of band, right? They they just they mm -hmm. got real 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 um slower, and then their lead singer he gets into a car accident. He gets into a really bad car accident right before they start working on their new album uh, in '87. He gets all kind of pins put in his legs. He's hospitalized, and it sort of puts them on hold. And they actually brought in Michael McDonald. To write to write some of their songs, and then they get Ted Templeman to oh, produce wow. to to produce the their third He's album. Famous producer, yeah, and, and just Halen. yeah, and then the yeah. third album just sort of goes nowhere. There's they're still around. They still and another thing that is, was my next question: Are they still touring yeah, in Canada? They're, they're still huge in Canada. Right. Um, they they also had a keyboard player who I think his name was Ray, who wrote their second big hit, "Feel It Again." And he wrote that and just sort of disagreed with the management and peaced out and said, I'm out of the band. I'm, I'm gone. And he was one of their chief songwriters. So yeah. he leaves and the, the lead singer gets hurt and just sort of stalled. Their third album came out and just nothing came out of it. And they just sort of, I think they probably said, Hey, listen, we're the big fish in the little Canadian pond. So let's just keep They should have come to Hollywood and got the hairstylist and yeah. wardrobe mm -hmm. stylist that white snake went through Things yeah. might have changed for them. Well, yeah. uh, honeymoon suite, you're almost there, but again, it's, they sound good though. So, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lover boy part two. Lover boy part two. Yeah. 
All right, the next band that you have here, I love this pick. This is YNT. Yeah, YNT. YNT, uh, I think, were uh, they suffered from a few things. I mean, great sound, great singer, uh, great songs, great hooks, great vocals. I mean, uh, "Don't Stop Running" is is a, just a amazing song. "Summertime Girls," uh, amazing. That's song. the that's the that's the song I always think of because yeah. that's the song that you hear come right, out of radio stations. Has, you know, yeah, that's the one that has the radio play. That's the one that has the had the headbangers ball play. Uh, there was also a song called Mean Street that was that was really good. Um, they're they're they kind of came in late to the game in terms of they formed in the seventies. So by yeah. the time heavy metal comes along, they're the old men in the group. Right? They're out of uh, Oakland, California. Uh, yeah, Oakland, yeah, yeah, recording since seventy four. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, since seventy four. So by the time hair metal is big in eighty three, eighty four, they're they're long they're they're long in the tooth. Yeah. Um, so. <clears throat> They a couple of things happened to them. They had some drug issues with some with some members. They get fired. Um, then they, that that summertime video, summertime girls video, was amazing. But you could tell they're almost like not focusing on what those guys look like. There's a lot of like comedic slapstick things that are happening that are away from the band. So mm-hmm. they're focusing not on their look, which was so important during that time. And they didn't have a follow up. To that song and they were begging the record company we need a follow-up we need we need a follow-up single work we have some heat on us and the record company from what i read the record company was just like we don't we're not interested in you anymore they, mm. just, sort of, they just sort of moved on from them didn't release anything and then they tried to get out of that record deal went to another record company and just sort of fizzled out so but they have stayed together and yes. reformed though haven't they yeah the dave manichetti yeah the lead singer. Um, it's all about him. Of course. Uh, I think he was the chief songwriter, um, but they've had some people come in and out from drug use and he has been the constant. You can't have it without him. And, and, and you know what, you know what also killed them? I've always said this, their name sucks. <laughs> yes. it does. Their name sucks. I mean, cause, cause you're thinking YNT, what's it stand for? You know, and then you find out it stand, it stood for yesterday and today, but that was where it was. That's what their original name was. And I was always thinking, well, that's even lamer than Y and T. You know, you know what I think held them back. To be honest with you, as much as I like their sound, their sound sounds like the late seventies arena rock. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It needed to sound more poppy, mm-hmm. and because that's what was popular. And but summertime girls does. Summertime girls that feels that way. Yeah, but the re- the rest of their stuff and and maybe their looks a little too, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the name, the name is awful. The name, the name sucks. Yeah, yeah. I would I would definitely agree with that. Okay, so the next band you have, and I'm glad you brought these guys up because I'm not really I wasn't I knew who they were, but I'm not really that familiar. And that's Lizzie Borden, and they formed in Los Angeles in '83, and to date the band charted on the Billboard 200, uh, the Billboard 200 four times. Lizzie Borden is of course and is more famous because of the band's uh, lead vocalist. Mm-hmm. And they were formed in 83 by brothers, Lizzie Borden, AKA Gregory Charles Hargis and Joey Scott. The band got noticed after their song rod of iron featured on the metal blades massacre Four compilation LB. Mm-hmm. Dude, I totally remember that album. That was a big deal. <laughs> the band signed to metal blade in 84 and released their uh, EP uh, um, give them the axe in May of that same year. The band is named, of course, after the notorious Lizzie Borden, a woman accused of acquitting of murder in the late 19th century. Um, 
And also, too, the band was featured prominently on the rockumentary The Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years, directed by Penelope Spheris. I remember that. If you're a metalhead, you have to have seen that. Had to have seen seen it. One one quick thing I have to mention as well, okay, is that their song Me Against the World was featured in the cult film Black Roses. And I actually have the original VHS uh, of that, and I also have the the DVD or Blu-ray of it, the re-release. And the reason I found out of Black Roses is because one of my favorite bands, Bang Tango, had a song on that album as well. But well, tell somebody, me why somebody from, Bor- from that from that movie was a was a metalhead. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Tell yeah. me why uh, you think this band should have been bigger. So, lead singer, massive talent, right? Massive, massive talent. Great voice. Um, the problem was their look. They were they were stuck between glam <laughs> and shock rock. Right. Yeah. They kind of of didn't know what they wanted to be. Right. So, so the lead singer, um, he was kind of shocky, kind of a horror kind of thing, but didn't go the full way. Right. They, they were featured, like you said, on decline of the decline of Western civilization part one. He came across as very likable in there, but they did a cover of born to be wild. That was awful. (laughs) <laughs> on there. And it was just, I, I don't know why they allowed that to be, that, that to be released, but um, I think, I think they stayed on metal blade for a long time. And I think that may have hurt them, but they didn't go to a bigger, to a bigger label. Um, gotcha. They had, they had me against the world was a minor hit. Then they came out with an album called visual lies. That was huge. Um, their, their look just was, and then of course their look became passe when grunge came, came about. Yeah, uh, and, they, and, and I always thought that if they would have pushed the shock and horror a little bit more, they would have they would have been bigger. They should have teamed up with Alice Cooper, did they not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there was nobody there was nobody around except for Alice who was doing that. that yeah. So if they would have if he would have went all in on that. So the crazy thing now is when you see him, they're still around, by the way. Um, mm. And he's all in on the shock rock now. I mean, he's okay. complete makeup and costumes and. He comes out as monsters and everything. And I thought, you know, if he would have done that in 87, he would have been, they would have been huge. They would have been huge. And they had the songs to back it up. You know, every, every shock rocker has to have the songs to back it up. And and I felt that I felt that they had the songs, they had the talent to back it up. They had a couple people from the band died tragically. I think one died in a car accident. Um, So that hurt them too, but they just, they were stuck between. Are the brothers still together? I think so. I could be wrong, okay. but I, okay. I, I think so. I, it may just be Lizzie in the band now. Right, uh, but right, if you right. check out some some YouTube stuff, they do they do all the European metal festivals. Okay, They're huge okay. over there. And if you just so check out their live show, it's it's amazing. I mean, the 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 costumes that he puts on, the makeup that he puts on, is just amazing. And he can still hit the high notes. He's nice. Got, and he's got to be all pushing right. sixty. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. All right, the next band you have, I'm glad you brought these guys to the table, is TNT. They're a Norwegian band formed in 82. The band had released 14 studio albums, three EPs, and four live albums while going through numerous lineup changes since its formation. Guitarist Ronnie Litekro is the only consistent member of TNT. The band has sold between four to five million albums worldwide as of 2016. Uh, known songs are 10,000 Lovers in One, Seven Seas, and Everyone's a Liar. TNT, 
give me some love. Why did they, why, uh, why you chose that? Yeah, so, so, you know, a lot of these bands on my list had, had success, but I always felt that they should have been much bigger. So, so <clears throat> this band, I was a huge fan of Kings of seven seas comes out, um, and, and got some, that was off their first album, Knights of the New Thunder. And it was, it was a big hit on MTV. Got, got some, got some legit radio play. The guitar sounds is so different than anything else. It just, it's got this really crunchy uh, distortion to it. That's, that just sounds different. It's I, want, really, I wonder what, what he plays through. It's interesting. It's really crunchy. And, yeah. and, um, the the I always thought that one of the things that, that hurt them was their singer was too good. And, <laughs> really? And, and, and he, you know, when you think of the songs that we that we think of in the hair metal genre that you sing along to, you know, like Living on a Prayer, things like that, you couldn't sing along to these songs. He was he was that good of a singer. Oh and wow! He had, he had like a, a crazy octave range, um, and and I, and it was, but it was also very well guitar driven. Because that Ronnie Lee Tecro, who's the only member who's been through the whole thing, he's he's the one who he's the one who controls everything. I'm sure, even to this day. Big gotcha. in Japan, huge in Scandinavia. I found a really great, interesting tidbit about it. They released an album um, in '89 um, called Intuition. No, I'm sorry, in Tell No Tales. Tell No Tales first. Intuition came after, but Tell No Tales. Was released in '87. It's the best-selling album in that year in Scandinavia, and it outsold Michael Jackson and Def Leppard in '87. Wow! In wow. in Scandinavia, so they so were they, so they, they, they had a following for sure. <laughs> yeah, and they still do. They still have. They still have a following. Everyone's a star. Great song. Ten thousand lovers in one. Great song. And then they just, you know, it, it's they they took a break. So here's and and if you just think of the timelines adding up, right? So. They released that album in '89, uh, right? And then they released the next album. They don't release the next album until '92, and Oof. of course, between '89 and '92, Nevermind comes out. So, right. so, they, so they needed something in between those two albums to keep to keep them in. Yeah, the- during that time, that is a wait too long, man. Yeah, it's a wait too long. <laughs> I mean, that's, three, that's three years. That's three yeah. years, and I'm sure the record company was like, "Hurry up, hurry up! You're missing out. You're missing out on a lot of stuff." And then yeah. never mind, never mind hits, and then they release something in '92, and they're, it's it's yeah. already over. All right, for your number one, and I'm so glad you chose chose this band. That is Black and Blue, a glam metal band from Portland, Oregon. The current members are lead vocalist Jamie St. James, bassist Patrick Young, drummer Pete Holmes, and guitarist Brandon Cook, and Doug Rack. A guitar, guitarist Brandon Cook and Doug Rapaport. The band is best known for their song Hold On to 18 from their debut album Black and Blue, released in 1984. Other notable songs they have are Chains Around the Heaven and Wicked Bitch. I thought these guys were originally from Canada. I got them confused with something yeah. else. But man, great choice. Why are they number one on your list? <clears throat> so another band that, that had pretty good success but just kind of missed just by a tad, right? So they, so they weren't a hair metal band. They, they, you know, you watch their videos and and they're sort of in between that hair metal and sort of LA guns kind of look. Um, their, their tunes are just so damn catchy. Uh, Miss mystery, um, hold on to 18. I'll be there for you. The hooks and the choruses just hit. They are, they are sing along songs. And the lyrics are great. 
um, in Miss Mystery. It's um, tied to the tracks, just waiting for the train. It's just everything hits. And they did have uh, there. They had another hit called Nature of the Beach, which is which is this great, great surf, modern well, modern for the time surf rock song that just feels like you're at the beach. And it was on the Vision Quest uh, soundtrack. It was in the movie. Oh, okay, yeah, and, good movie. I remember that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. And and it was actually on the B side of Madonna's Gambler that was on oh, Vision. Okay, and it was featured in the movie, but from what I what I read, it was it was not on the soundtrack for some reason. So <clears throat> so then um, they had one guy in the band that sort of stuck out like a sore thumb. His name is Jeff Warner. He's the guy second from left in the picture. And he just he, he and you see the guy with the black hair. No, the second from the left. So under the L and uh, under the B and the L and black and blue. Okay, right? the guy with kind mm-hmm. of a mullet thing going on. Okay, yeah, right. He's got yeah. the fist out, right? This, right? He's he just kind of didn't fit. He looked like the local <laughs> mechanic, right? Who <laughs> just grew his hair long. He didn't. What, what, what instrument did he play? He was a guitar player. Okay, and he and he didn't. He just kind of didn't fit in the band. And you know, at the time that. That everything was about. Love. Was he a good guitar player, though? Great guitar player, and probably okay. amazing, probably amazing human being. And here I am denigrating him. Um, so they, so after their second album, who comes in to be their producer? But Gene Simmons, right? Oh wow! So he, he, after them, I, I don't know if Gene ruined him or what, but um, there wasn't really a lot of positives after Gene. The first album he did, he did. Um, that turned out to be a pretty well and had some hits on it. But after that, they just sort of disappear and. The lead guitar player, Tommy Thayer, who is, I think, the guy on the left, um, he's actually in Kiss now. Yeah. So he, yeah, yeah. he became, he, after him and Gene started working together, he, he became Kiss's tour manager. And then when, when, they were in, when they were in the reunited you know, with Ace and Peter, and, and then when Ace and Peter left, he just stepped right into the role. As, was, he, was he like a guitar tech, or you said he was a tour manager? He was the tour manager, from what I, from what I understand, tour manager, wow. assistant, or something. He was not a guitar tech. Uh, he was just on the business side. Um, wow. And they they break up in '89, and they still could have had more in them. Um, and since they were glam and hair, they could have they could have survived. Never. He's still with Kiss, though, isn't he? He's still with Kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah doing yeah. the final final and, tour with them now. And yeah. and the uh, the lead singer of Black and Blue, Jamie St. James. He actually, I don't know if he still is, but he was in warrants. He took, he, he was the first person to, he was the first person to replace Janie Lane. Oh, uh, that's who that was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they have people who are, you know, and they've done a couple reunion tours. In I would love to see them uh, reunite after he's done with his Kiss tour, man. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I would imagine that, you know, once, once Kiss is over, he's probably going to be like, now what? So, so I would see, I'm sure they would probably do well at Rocklahoma. And I mean, they right. have, they have five or six really quality songs that are just black and blue, cool. man. Great choice. Definitely yeah. a great choice. I, I, I would love to see more from them. Uh, good choice for your number one, man. All right. All right. Well, I've got a few, let's check out mine. All right. I have a few of, uh, let, let me do some honorable mentions here for the eighties rock metal bands. that should have been bigger. And this is a band I actually saw live and I was really impressed with them. They opened up for uh, bullet boys when bullet boys was headlining a, um, uh, a, a tour, you know, with like smaller theaters and stuff like that. 
And the front, um, they're, they're a rock band. They were formed in 84 in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, they signed with Sire Warner uh, Brothers Records in 87. Uh, and they also signed a contract with Scott and Doc McGee of McGee Entertainment. Of course, uh, they also managed uh, Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, Scorpion, Skid Row. And uh, their first release was Fire, uh, which had a modest hit on MTV. Before I go on, uh, Mike, do you remember these guys? That, these are new to me. Interesting. Okay. Me. Yeah. Well, I, I remember the video and I really liked them. And when I went to go see them live, they almost upstaged Bullet Boys. Not quite, but man, they were good. And uh, they uh, also had a song called The Motion that was released. And they had this really great song on their album called Ritual. Um, they kind of had a, the lead singer kind of had a, um, uh, a Doors vibe, the way that he kind of did a little bit. Most of the band kind of picked a little 60s vibe to them and stuff. Yeah. But they, they had a nice blues sound to them um, and really good. A lot of their songs had a good groove to them. And what that was one of the things. What year? What year was uh, This was in 89 when I okay. saw them. They, they opened up for uh, Bullet Boys. And uh, they, they, they toured with uh, Bang Tango, Jason Bonham, Enough's Enough, Alice Cooper. Uh, but uh, musically inclined is what I noticed about these guys, uh, including the drummer. The drummer was fantastic. Um, and I'll say the lead singer is Michael Serrano or Michael something like that. And he definitely um, had a Jim Morrison kind of vibe about him. Yeah, I was going to say uh, they almost look, they, I mean, the album cover almost looks like Pearl Jamish. You know? Yeah, I, I could see that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, but man, they were good. I was really, really impressed. I was hoping to see a lot more from them. Uh, but I believe this was their only album that they released and then they, they, uh, they, they broke up, but uh, I had to give them a shout out because I, I thought they were awesome cool. and I got a chance to see them live. Uh, the next band, Tora Tora. Mm -hmm. Wait, did I get this wrong here? Hold on. Uh, nope. Tora Tora. Yes. Love this band. Um, yeah. They're from Memphis, Tennessee, uh, formed in 1985. Their first album came out in 89, Surprise Attack. They had another really good album called Wild America, which also had a song called Wild America out there called 92. They released an album in 94, and they released an album in 2019. Their debut hit, which had a lot of play on uh, um, mm -hmm. Headbangers Ball and MTV, was Walking Shoes. Yeah. Um, hit number 86, uh, Guilty was another song they had. Phantom Rider, Wild America, as I said, and also Riverside Drive was another song they had too. These guys had this really good Memphis blues sound, and I love the lead singer's tone and his voice. Do you remember these guys? Yeah, absolutely. Walk and Shoes is a great song. I mean, the end of Walk and Shoes is just pure blues, pure, mm. pure straight blues. The end yeah. of it, the outro to it, great song. Should have, and you know that that, that when. A lot of times when I talk to about these bands with my friends of that era and we say, uh, oh, when do they come out? And then you say 89 and you go off. Oh, woof. Yeah. Those poor guys, you know, 89 was like the last hurrah for some yeah. of these bands. And then some yeah. of them were like, it was too late, you know? Yeah. 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 When you hear 90 or 91, you're like, oh, well, we're good. It's, you know? Yeah. Uh, I never got a chance to see them live. Unfortunately, I, they still perform together. I see them on like the M3 festival okay. and I see them all on, on those, uh, uh, rock cruises, cruises as well. Yeah. 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 One of these rock days, I hope I get to see, see them play. So, mm -hmm. yeah. All right. 
the next band I also got to see live, and that is Electric Boys. First of all, have you heard of them? Oh, hips and lips, isn't it? Yes. They are a Swedish band founded in 1987, playing funky hard rock with roots from the 70s and 60s pop and psychedelia. They were formed by Connie Bloom, real name uh, Bloomquist, and he was the guitarist and vocalist. And their one hit, All Hips and Lips, came out in 1987, had a, a decent run on MTV. Uh, 89, they, uh, their, the band, the, uh, uh, debut, of the, I think their debut album was Funk O Metal Carpet Ride, which includes all lips and hips success in Europe. They had a strong following in Britain. They were headlining small clubs. Uh, they included five, they, they, uh, um, let's see, the album was released in America on Atco, including five new recorded tracks produced by Bob Rock and five tracks from the domestic version. Their critically acclaimed debut album spawned, of course, their self-produced top uh, 20 single, All Lips and Hips. I got a heavy rotation on MTV. Mm-hmm. Their second album, Groovus Maximus, was also really good. Came out in 92, a little too late, but it was still a great album, yeah. as we can say. And they uh, they toured with Mr. Big. Uh, and there's, they've been touring constantly. They actually released an album in 2023 called Grand Explosivos, wow. their fifth album since the reunion in 2009. They also had a song called Psychedelic Eyes. Now, dude, I went to go see them in a really small club here in Santa Barbara. And Connie Bloom is basically this band. This guy is a guitar virtuoso. He is very, uh, he's got great stage presence, great, great voice, very underrated band and underrated artist. I, he probably could have gone solo. Maybe he has, I didn't look that far deep into it, but he loves playing with a band. Apparently, man, this guy is it. He's basically like you, you don't have electric boys without this guy. Like you don't yeah. have Tom Kiefer. Uh, if you don't have Cinderella without Tom Kiefer and, but he's got this still, there's this blues influence and dude shreds on guitar, man. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> I mean, that song, uh, song kicks. I mean, you know, that, that's yeah. one of those, that's one of those songs you hear them, you hear that song like that and you think whatever happened, why don't, what, what, what didn't happen after that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but those are my three honorable mentions. Now let's get into my top five. And number five for me is Dangerous Toys. Dangerous Toys uh, is an Austin, Texas-based band. They founded in 1987. Dangerous Toys released four full-length albums and one live album before unofficially disbanding at the turn of the millennium. The band formed May- found main scene, mainstream success with its debut album, Dangerous Toys in 89, which featured the singles Teasin' Pleasin' mm-hmm. and Scared. Mm-hmm. It was certified gold by RIAA five years after its release. Their next two albums, Hellacious Acres and Pissed, 1994, were not as successful as the self-titled debut, but received acclaim. Uh, although they have not released any new material since their fourth studio album uh, back in 1995, Dangerous Toys have continued to perform live. Uh, and of course, their two big hits are Teasing, Pleasing, and Scared, but they also did a really cool uh, cover of Bad Company's Feel Like Making Love. Oh, really, okay. really good. Uh, it's basically one of their ball- uh, ballads. And I think it was off the, I think it was Hellacious Acres album, if I remember correctly. I'm trying to remember. I got a chance to see these guys. I think they opened up for Bang Tango or Bullet Boys when I saw them. They were so much fun, dude. So much fun. Uh, have you seen them live? I have not seen them live. They were <clears throat> they were a band that probably never even came close to Pittsburgh when I was growing mm. up. Probably never 
They just never. It's kind of like the band Kicks that never hardly came out to California. Yes, you know? <laughs> yeah, I saw Kicks a bunch of times because they were East Coast band. Yeah, um, but you know, a lot of these bands, you know, we never saw because Pittsburgh was just not a great market for hair metal. So you know, it just the only way I would have I would have seen that is if they opened up with somebody. I mean, I, I love Tease and Please. I love Scared. Scared's a great song. Yeah. I think maybe one of their downfalls is the band's name. Yeah, possibly. Uh, I loved their uh, um, the Jack in a Box kind of. Uh, yeah, that's great. The, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're their mascot. mascot. Great, yeah, great, great mascot. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, with a T-shirt that says "Dangerous Toys." You know, I think the name is good. I, honestly, I think what held them back is maybe the lead singer, just because it's not a great voice. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's serviceable. But mm-hmm. I think they are a better live band than yeah. what you get. I mean, the album's great. I love listening to the album, but man, they are fun live. And, uh, you know, like I and tease and please. And I love that exchange with like the guitar and the wah and the wham. Yeah. And it's just, it's a great song, but, uh, the lead vocalist is not the best vocalist, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's not gonna, he's not gonna, <clears throat> the lead vocalist is like Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not going to yeah. win. Games. He's not going to win your games. He's not going to lose your games. He's just sort of the. He's, you know, he's just sort of there. You know. Yes, definitely, definitely. All right, the next band is one of my favorite bands, and that is DAD. They are a Danish rock band that originally named Disneyland after dark, but changed their name to avoid a lawsuit yeah. Yeah. from some small company called the Walt Disney Company. Mm-hmm. In the early 80s in Copenhagen, DAD started playing together under their original name, Disneyland After Dark. Peterson came up with the band, he's the leader, uh, based on the idea that when the lights are out in Disneyland, anything can happen. The first lineup of DAD consisted of Jesper, Stig, Peter, and Stig's girlfriend. Uh, the band's debut concert uh, was at a youth club uh, in December of 82. The uh, what was it? Uh, Lean Glummer left the band and the three of them kept playing together on cool. March 3rd. Uh, in 84, Jesper's young brother Jacob joined the band um, uh, in Copenhagen. The group made their international breakthrough in 1989 with a with the record No Fuel Left for the Pilgrims on Warner Brothers. Uh, and the song that was released that most fans know them by is sleeping my day away. Do you remember that song in that? Band? I remember that one. Is that, uh, wait, you go back and say, was it, was there a boyfriend girlfriend in the band? Is that yeah, there that? was a girl in the band. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not anymore though. <laughs> which is, which is very progressive for 1989 hair metal. I mean, that's awesome. Yes. That's yes, awesome. Yes. Uh, the current lineup is Jesper Binzer, Jacob Binzer, Stig Peterson, and Laus Son. The largest crowd the band played as an opening act was the Boz Ansk on their farewell festival on June 17, 2005. About 120,000 people on the Euro Speedway. Mm. Uh, now, they did continue touring, and I know that for a fact because I'm wearing a shirt. Mm-hmm. Because I've always wanted to see these guys play live. I bought their other albums, dude. And they never came to the United States to tour. I don't know why. They've Maybe they did. Shows in the United States? I, n- I could be wrong about that, but they... Maybe they came and played a few select shows, but I was waiting. I was like, I was that one DAD fan. I was waiting. And maybe even though the song was popular on MTV for a little bit, whatever it was, they're more popular in Europe and in like Malaysia and Australia and New Zealand than they are in the United States. And so when I went back last year to Australia 
where my wife's from, they were playing in Melbourne and we, they're playing in this kind of small club. That's popular. Mm. I went, I took my wife to go see it. She knew nothing about them. <laughs> and it was crazy how long the merch line was. There was fans that had been waiting over 30 years to see these guys yeah. come back to Australia yeah. and play and were buying up multiple shirts. I bought two. <laughs> nice. And they were fantastic. They even won my wife over. Let's put it that nice. way. All right. And I have, a, I have a picture here. Okay. This is the show. All right. Now the bass player is famous for something. Is that an he, Iron Cross? What's that? Is that an Iron Cross guitar? Or that is, yes, it is. Amazing. Yes, it is. He has several custom basses. And if you look at that famous video from Sleeping My Day Away, it's a regular bass, but he only plays with two strings. Hmm. And now he has custom basses that are built with a thin neck that only has two strings on them. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Stick Peterson, a notable aspect. He's the bass player. As he almost exclusively uses two string basses. His basses awesome. Take extravagant shapes, such as an iPhone whose screen shows the audience. He didn't bring That's that amazing. one to the show. <laughs> That's amazing. He didn't bring that show, but he had this translucent one that you see here on the right that, that would light up. Yeah. Uh, and those are the only two that he played, but all he plays with two. But let me tell you, man, all, everyone at this show knew all the songs, even more than I did. Their show was fantastic, energetic. I was. This was one of the best shows I've been to, and my wife loved it. When you got a, when you got a line out the door for your march table, that is a good night. Yes, that was a yes. good night. Yeah, and they sold out all of their shows in in um, uh, Australia and in New Zealand. So yeah, and that's it was so great. nuts that they that they've never been to America. That is that is so. <laughs> geez, you gotta you gotta get out there. You gotta let people see you. All right, the next band, number three, and we've been talking about this band, is Sleaze Bees, a, bland, a glam metal band formed in 87 in the Netherlands. They released, their, they released four studio albums and one live album over a nine-year career before disbanding in 1996. Their 89 album, Screwed, Ballooed, and Tattooed, peaked at number 115 on the Billboard 200 album chart. Their song, Stranger Than Paradise, was a big hit on MTV, and was taken from the Screwed, Blued, and Tattooed album. In 1982, after a long tour, they released the album Power Tool by Atlantic Records, which contains the ballad, I Don't Want to Live Without You, which was a minor hit, and it's also one of me and my wife's songs. Nice. <laughs> uh, they, formed, they were formed by drummer Jan Koster and guitarist uh, Chris Van Jarsveld in 87. Uh, in 89, the Bees got more stability by recruiting the English vocalist Andrew Elt, who previously sang on Gin on the Rocks. They cut the successful uh, Screwed Blued album. Uh, on the strength of the hit single Stranger Than Paradise, the band did 90 headline shows throughout the U.S. and Canada. As I mentioned, their known songs are Stranger Than Paradise, I Don't Live It Without You, and The Crowd Goes. Okay, Mike, I got a question for you. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't remember these guys at all back when MTV was a thing back when yep. uh, um, uh, headbangers ball was a thing. I don't remember them on the radio, whatever happened, they went straight out of my radar and I didn't pick them up until I was diving deep into hair metal back in the early two thousands while I was at a job. We're listening to an online uh, uh, hair metal station. These guys came on. I'm like, who the hell are these guys? Ended up going on eBay and buying their CDs. 
Did you know about these guys? Yeah, I, I did. And, were they an East I, Coast I, thing? I was in college. No, they were on Headbangers Ball. I mean, remember, I, you know, it's not something I would have heard on the radio. So I, so I, now I remember I was in college. So it was, I'm going to say 90, 91, somewhere around there where they were on Headbangers Ball. So they came a little late to the party, right? Um, and, and, but I loved Stranger Than Paradise. Uh, it, I, I thought it was an amazing song. And, you know, fast forward uh, years into the 2010s, my wife and I lived in the Netherlands for three years. And oh, really? I, yeah. And I ran into somebody who said, um, I guess somehow came up that I was a metalhead, hair metal. And they said, that's so weird you say that because I work with a guy who says he was in a band called the Sleaze Bees. And, oh. I, was like, and I was like, no way. You work with a guy who was in the Sleaze Bees? And, and this person, I, I think it was a girl, she said, she said, yeah, uh, I work with them. And I think we were learning Dutch together. And she was in one of our classes. And, um, and she said, yeah, I thought that he was lying. I thought he was making up the story that he was in this band. I said, no, I know the sleaze bees. So, so it was, I'm going to say it was 90, 91. Cause I was in college. And, uh, so it can, I don't know when they released that album with Stranger in paradise on it, but, but, uh, it was it was late to the game. That's another. Uh, it was eighty nine when that one came yeah. out, and it, and it yeah. hit uh, the album peaked at one fifteen. Yeah, yeah. But that was that was the headbangers ball. It was it was probably a late headbangers ball, like a one forty five, one fifty. But it, it played a couple times enough for me to know the song. So it played enough. I got to tell you, when it comes to hair metal ballads, I would have to say that I don't want to live without you is one of the best I've ever heard. Right. It is really really good. I would put it in my maybe top five, definitely top 10 hair metal ballads of all time. It is such a good song, um, which is why it's, you know, I don't, I don't think that they're still around. <laughs> they're, they're, I don't think they're still around. I don't, I don't think, think so either. Any, any, any festivals in Europe, I don't think, I think they're done. Yeah. I, I don't know if they've gotten back together. I would love to hear any news about that, but man, that was a cool band. And I, yep. I, I think they should have been a lot bigger, a lot yep. bigger. Agree. Yeah. All right, the next band, number two on my list, and they have one of the most iconic hair metal songs of all time and video. That is Bullet Boys, American band from Los Angeles, formed in 1986. The group's original lineup was composed of Mark Torian, formerly of Rat, King Cobra, and Cagney and the Dirty Rats. Guitarist Mick Sueda, formerly of King Cobra. Bassist Lonnie Vincent, formerly of King Cobra, and drummer Jimmy, Jimmy DeAnda. The group released two successful albums and had a number of singles featured on MTV between 88 and 91. From the 90s onward, the group went through numerous lineup changes with Torian as the only consistent member. Their most recent album, From, from Out of the Skies, was released in 2018. The original lineup uh, reunited for one-off shows in 2011 and 2019. The song that I speak of, it's one of my favorite hair metal songs. I think it might be number two, maybe close to one sometimes, and that is Smooth Up In Ya. Yes, absolutely. Uh, great, great song, yep. Uh, yep. great video. They also did an OJ's cover, uh, For the Love of Money. Uh, also, great Tom Waits cover, Hang On St. Christopher, which on their second album, and Talk To Your Daughter as well. Uh, your thoughts on Bullet Boys? Yeah, they smooth up in you. Great, great song. Um, the lead singer was cut from the David Lee Roth cloth. Um, That's because they had Ted Templeton uh-huh. as their uh, producer. Yeah, he, this uh, was basically Van Halen part two ish. <laughs> if you can yeah, put it that yeah, way, you know. Yeah, Van Halen, but the focus is on the lead singer more than the guitar player. Yes, um, 
Yes. So yeah, I mean, Smooth Up Binya, great, great song. Uh, they had a great look. He had a great look. weren't in that weren't in the glam thing, so they didn't get sucked into that. Um, I agree with you completely. Should have been should have been bigger. No, the no two doubt. things that stand out to me in this band, other than uh, Mark Torin, the lead singer, because he was a good frontman, yes, but Mick Sueda, the guitar player, was just kind of like dirty. Yeah, you know grindy bluesy and the sound that he would get out of his Les Paul and his amp. But also Jimmy DeAnda is a fantastic drummer. If you watch him play live, he is awesome. And uh, these guys just really put on a great show. I remember I saw them open up for bank tango and then they, then I saw them headline with uh, the front and I saw them once again, somewhere else. I can't remember where it was, but later on when Mark Torian basically continued with the bullet boys, not only does Mark Torian sing, but he now plays the lead and plays all yeah, of the main yeah, guitar yeah. parts. Now he has just like a rhythm guitar player mm-hmm. that may play a few leads, but he plays all the guitar parts now. Well, you could be, you could also be the guy, the guy in that picture who's the guy in the middle who's barely seen. I don't know what he played, but I would imagine when the album cover came out, he, he was probably a little upset. You know, yeah. the, only, the only people who recognize him is probably his family. I mean, he's like that's Ju- that's Jimmy DeAnda, the drummer, way in the back there. Yeah, yeah. He, he's backlit. <laughs> you can hardly see his face. You know, meanwhile the meanwhile the lead singer is you know right up in the front. He's he has the light shining on him brightly, and, and let's put the drummer way in the back. No one really cares about him. Yeah, they had a great ballad off their second album. I think it's called "Sing a Song." Uh, really, really good. Uh, then they went back and then they kind of re-recorded some of their biggest hits again. Cause you know how bands will get out of contracts yeah, yeah, by re-recording yeah. their own version and doing it that yeah. way. Um, so that was kind of cool, but you know, as even though the original lineup isn't all together, uh, it was good to see uh, Mark Torian still doing his thing. And uh, I got to give him credit. Not only is he still singing and sounding pretty good, but he's really good on guitar. Yeah. They're still always on rock cruises and rock Lahoma. Yeah. They're always, they're always yeah. on there. They're stable. They're still out there. Still, still trudging along. That's awesome. Yep. All right. My number one pick of band that should have been bigger is also my favorite band of all time. I've seen them about 10 times now. And that is bang tango. Uh, their, their hits, of course, someone like you is their big hit untied and true. My favorite song, soul to soul, Great live song, Love Injection, Dancing on Coals, Breaking Up a Heart of Stone. Uh, they were formed in Los Angeles in 88 and signed to MCA Records the same year. Initially, the band was founded by guitarist Mark Knight and bassist Kyle Kyle in 88. Knight wanted a second guitarist and recruited Kyle Stevens. At the suggestion of Rough Cuts, Amir Derek, vocalist Joe Lestay joined the band as its frontman, which led to Lestay's childhood friend, Tig Kettler, uh, completing the five uh, drummer Tig Kettler com- completing the uh, five-piece lineup as Bang Tango's drummer. The band began to play shows and gained a following on the Sunset Strip scene in Hollywood, packing all the popular clubs and venues at the time, which led to a bidding war with many labels. Bang Tango were then signed to MCA Records. And on a side note, um, they've had many other, of course, uh, Joel Estee has kind of taken on the band uh, and become the only original member and had many other uh, band members that have uh, made up the lineup. And one of them is guitarist Drew Fortier. And I actually interviewed Drew Fortier because he played guitar for them for a while, and he actually did a movie 
Attack of Life, the Bang Tango movie. On June 11th, the band met Drew Fortier, to whom they offered to shoot a studio documentary while they were recording their new record, Pistol Whipped in the Bible Belt. The project was then expanded upon once Fortier had been put uh, in contact with the previous members of the band, as well as its founding members. Over the course of four years, Fortier turned the project into a feature-length documentary titled Attack of Life, the Bang Tango movie. The film features interviews with all original members of the band, as well as most of the players who have performed in the band since its inception. Um, I interviewed Drew Fortier on an earlier episode of the Hair Metal podcast. Check out mm -hmm. the audio podcast. It's a great interview. And I found this fascinating because there's a, a great trivia about this band. As we know, the original band broke up after Love After Death. And um, which was a great album that did not get the support it deserved. And the documentary talks about that. It's a hard album to find. Uh, I know they released it over in Japan. And uh, so it was Joe Liste, the lead singer that carried on the mantle of Bang Tango. Well, there was one gig that Joe Liste, for medical reasons could not continue the show. Mm. So there was a very good fan that said, Hey, I can fill in. And I think he ended yeah. up singing like five or six songs. Wow. So, so there was a bang tango show that yeah. had no original members that played. Yeah, it's, it's a tribute band. So they have yes. the bang tango has a tribute band. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you watch this. It's free on YouTube. Uh, get, give uh, Drew a shout out too. He's also, a, he's also a, a budding director. He directed a, a really cool uh, horror film called Dwellers, kind of a tribute to Chud. Remember Cannibalistic yeah, sure, Humanoid Chud. Underground yeah, Dwellers? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Make sure you check that out, too. I bought a copy of it. It's really, really good. Um, so I have seen Bang Tango live plenty of times. They were a favorite of Ricky Rackman's um, uh, Hollywood Cat House uh, Club. They played there several times. I saw them play there. I've seen them play up here in Santa Barbara. There's a funny story about, about that. I'll have to say it another time. Uh, but I love these guys. I love their sound. They got this kind of funk sound to them because yeah. Kyle Kyle, the bass player, is one of the best bass players I have ever seen live. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they always came across to me like almost like a like extreme. Um, right. Very, very close to extreme. And you mentioned another band while, while you were talking about them called Rough Cut that almost made my, my list yeah. as well. Uh, Rough Cut was a great band. Um, Bang Tango, that's another band that, that just came a little bit too late. And uh, funny story, a co-worker of mine, his English teacher in high school was one of the band members' mother. Oh, wow. I don't know, oh, I don't know, which, cool. one, I don't know which one it was, <laughs> but she, when they hit, when they signed the record deal, she retired as a teacher. Ah. She was like, my son's going to take care of me now. My son's a rock star and, and I'm out. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, so yeah, another great band had that MTV hit and just, I, I, I don't know if it came too late to the party or what, what it was. I had a chance to meet Joe Listay and I think it was Mark Knight briefly after they opened up for bullet boys down in uh, Ventura, California back in 89. And they were so popular, they ended up coming back and headlining the show, their own show there. But I, we heard that there was going to be an after party, uh, a Bullet Boys after party at the hotel they were all staying at. And so we went down to the hotel, and Bang Tango actually was like either getting ready to leave in their tour bus or whatever. So I actually like talked to uh, 
uh, Joe Lestay and I was asking him about their choice for choosing MCA records and all that kind of stuff. Cause I'd read an article about them. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I went on to go see them several times, but um, I ended up becoming uh, uh, friends uh, with um, Mark Knight on Facebook. He lives down in LA and he also made my list for underrated guitar players that I did a podcast with, with our friend Johnny K. Cause he's been a, um, uh, Johnny K has been a guest on the hair metal podcast a few times now. And we chose our top underrated guitarist of that era. Mm-hmm. And Mark Knight was one of mine and uh, also found out he's a fellow Raider fan. And um, I actually interviewed him uh, twice. And uh, more recently, the band, all original members, got together for an upcoming tour uh, through 2020. Mm. See where this is going. And they actually held their first reunion tour at the Whiskey A Go-Go on January 25th, 2020. Mm. And I went down there with my friends and bought a bunch of merch. And the show was fantastic, man. They had all their family and friends there. And they were getting ready to go onto this tour, play the M3 festival, and then the pandemic. And 2020 hit. Yeah. And that was the beginning of the end. And uh, then, you know, hard feelings kind of started to resurface yeah. again. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, uh, and, and Mark Knight, he's been doing his own music. Uh, he's in a band called Mark Knight and the Unsung Heroes. And Tig Kettler, uh, is his drummer and he's got another uh, great bass player and guitar player and he's been performing and writing his own songs and releasing albums and they're really good i recently went and saw him open up for um uh what was it little caesar and uh junkyard down in la and that was a oh, great show yeah. yeah and uh but um back to the uh uh the anniversary show the reunion tour of all original members here's some pictures here this is a poster of them uh, promoting this tour and this thing. And there's the, uh, there's the bang tango marquee up there with the whiskey a go-go. And there's, I, I didn't plan on meeting Mark Knight before the show. We were just going to get something to eat at the restaurant uh, next order. And he was there hanging out. So I got a picture with him and ch- chatted with him up a little bit. Mark very Knight, cool. great guy. <laughs> very cool. Uh, very, very good musician too. Just a shout out to bang tango. What, what are your thoughts? What do you remember of bang tango? Just that one, that one video. I mean, I, I certainly don't, I'm not as deep as in as you are. I mean, you're like, you're like the number one super fan, you know? Oh which, yes. Which oh yes. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I mean, I remember them being in, in 88 and, and being sort of like that extreme look. They also have the look that they kind of came, came, came across as like the cult as well. Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. Great band, great lead singer. And, uh, and another, you know, another casualty of the time really of, of that of that time there's so many great bands that we talked about tonight that were just casualty of 88 89 90 91 just in that little three four year window you know i mean there's, there's bands that survived it for sure you know your poisons your motley crews but other bands who were i mean you think of those hair metal bands there's not too many bands that survived that grunge era you know, um, yeah, and, this is and, another picture at the uh, the whiskey ago. This is a live picture here. That was very yeah, cool. I took that one there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and they had a, a great another band with a great look, Bang Tag, which is a great, great look. You know, yeah. not not glam, just very cool, very <sighs> hip. You know, getting the 90s. Their, their sound they had was just fantastic. Yeah. I did want to give a shout out to Joe Lestay. He had a really cool band uh, in the early 2000s called Beautiful Creatures. Do you remember that band? That I've heard of. 
Yeah, they and they had a really good album uh, that came out, and then for whatever reason, uh, they broke up. But it was uh, it was a really really good album. I highly recommend that. But uh, shout out to Mark Knight. Uh, he uh, uh, obviously was cool enough to uh, get on the podcast, and I, I do have I do I interviewed him uh, after that reunion um, and his thoughts on it in the show. Uh, that is on uh, the Hair Metal Podcast uh, link inside the F- uh, Fandom Podcast Network uh, website there. So make sure you check that out. Uh, that was before we got on YouTube. So it's the audio only, but uh, it yeah. was definitely a good show. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's close things out here. Super. Just wanted to take a minute here yeah. to go back to that article of some of the other bands that was briefly mentioned of, uh, that should have been bigger. Uh, I'm just going to roll these off real quick. Axe, Banshee, Baton Rouge, Bow Nasty, Black Sheep, Cat and Boots, Circle of Power, Cold Sweat, Crimson Glory, Cry Wolf, Diamond Rex, Dirty Blonde, Demals, Femme Fatale, Fifth Angel, Giant, uh, Gafiria. I keep forgetting how to pronounce those guys. Gafria. Gafria. Thank you. Uh, Gypsy Rose. Halloween, Hawk, Heaven, uh, Heavy Petten, Hellion, Hurricane, uh, Jack Stars, Burning Star, uh, Kick Axe, Killer Dwarves, King Cobra, Kings of the Sun, Laz Rocket, Le Mans, Leather Wolf, Lion, London, Lord Tracy, Mars Project, Driver, Malcolm, or excuse me, Madame X, that, of course, famous because that was Sebastian Bach's first band. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Roxy Petrucci, who went on to do Vixen. Uh, Malice, Mama's Boys, Mass, Odin, Omen, uh, Paul Diano's Battlezone, Princess Pang, Prophet, Rage of Angels, Soraya, great uh, female singer there. Sabotage, one of my uh, favorite bands. Mm-hmm. Sea Hag, Seduce, Shock Paris, Shark Island, <laughs> Uh, Shotgun Messiah, Silent Rage, Sinners, Slave Raiders, Smash Gladys, Sound Barrier, Stone Fury, Sweet Pain, Sweet Savage, Sword, TT Quick, Talos, Talos, I think so, TKO, Tokyo Blade, Tough Luck, Titan, Vamp, Warrior, Wasted, White Sister, White Tiger, and White Wolf. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew I knew a good a good portion of those. There's some there were some good ones in there that I that I that I knew. Um, that that were really only one hit wonders, you know that 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 uh, were just uh, uh, like Baton Rouge. I remember. Yeah, Fem- I remember Shark Island. Horrible Fem- name, Fem- but actually they were a good band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's another horrible name. You know, you always yeah. have to remember. There's got kids are gonna want to want to uh, wear your T-shirts with their name on it. What your name? Yes. On, you know? And I mean, that's what you got to remember. And and there's not very many kids are going to walk around a t-shirt that says shark Island. Exactly. Well, this has been the hair metal podcast episode 20 eighties rock metal bands that should have been bigger here on the fandom podcast network. Uh, Mike, thank you so much, man, for joining me for this. This has been a blast. Any final thoughts on the eighties bands that should have been bigger? No, I mean, I think we've covered it all and, and I would, I would encourage everyone to go out there and find, because there's every year I find a new band that, that I think, why didn't I know about them earlier? You know, yeah. Why, why, you know, why didn't I, why didn't I hear this song? Why didn't I hear that song? So there's still so much from that era that's out there to discover. That's really great stuff. 
I'm I'm still a collector of CDs, and if I see these CDs live or, or somewhere, but some of them are expensive. They're out of print. They're hard to yeah. find. Yeah. The it the the hair metal genre has a rabid collector mm-hmm. fan base too, especially having the original physical media. Yep. Um, you know, it's easy to find the, you know, they're, they're thank God for YouTube too, you know, cause yeah. Oh, yeah. So, some of these bands didn't have videos. So you would listen, you'd go to YouTube and they would just have the audio version of their song yeah. or live versions of their songs, you yep. know? Yeah. Gosh. Ugh, good stuff. Good time. It was a good time. It was, a, I'm, I'm happy to be alive during that time. I mean, there's, <laughs> listen, there's, there's, and, 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 you know, with the people who say rock is dead, you know, me being a middle school teacher, I can I can assure you 100% that rock is not dead. I see kids walking through there with you know new bands that with old yeah, bands yeah. you know uh, bands that they know because of their you know big brother or uncle or dad or mom listened to, and there's a lot of great bands out there today who are still carrying the torch. The people just have to you know you just have to look for it. And it That's starts with thing. the parents too. It starts with the yeah, parents cool. and and I I want to encourage people here. Listen, hear me out here. You may see a kid, a young kid wearing a band shirt that obviously was popular during this time. Don't give them a hard time and saying, name a song off that album, you no, know, no, no. encourage them, ask them though, say, Hey, are you, are you a fan? And they'll go either yes or no and say, well, check out this album. If you are encourage them to listen to it, because when we're dead and gone, it's up to them to keep this genre alive and we lived during a good time of music and I'm proud to it. And to me, it's still the best. I had so much fun memories with that. So yeah, uh, make there's, sure you, there's, you're, there's kids that I see every day in my school when we have dress down days, they, they wear uniforms and they have dress down days. They show up in ghost t-shirts, yeah. they show up in the Lorna Shore t-shirts, uh, some new, some new metal bands. And I'm always, and some of them wear Nirvana shirts. I mean, the, the Nirvana shirt is huge. Um, and I, I always tell them, do you know the band? If they say no, I said, do yourself a favor, go home tonight and listen to it. You, know, I, you got I, YouTube, everything's so accessible yeah. now. It's great. It's so yeah. I, a couple of years ago, I, t- I taught, uh, Pink Floyd in my seventh grade class. I did dark side of the moon. And I told them, I said, your assignment this weekend is to go home with a really good pair of headphones and listen to dark side of the moon the whole way through. And a couple nice. kids actually did it and it turned them into Pink Floyd fans, which, you know, they, you make that. But Pink Floyd turns yeah. into this, turns into this, turns into, and all of a sudden they're metalheads. That is called a teaching win, right there. Well done, yes, sir. It is. Well done. Yes, it was. All right, let's get some close. Let's get in some contact information. This is the Hair Metal Podcast on the Fandom Podcast Network. First of all, please join our uh, Hair Metal. Uh, podcast fandom group on Facebook, please. We have a lot of good discussion there and share a bunch of great videos and pictures of this era. And we appreciate more members there. And also please, uh, if you're listening to this, check us out on YouTube, please like, please subscribe. Uh, We're going to get more of these podcasts out on a regular basis. And that would help us out. If you guys did that, our master feed for all of our audio versions of our podcast can be found at fpnet.podbean.com. And if you want to see the earlier or listen to the earlier episodes of the, of uh, hair metal, uh, just click on the tab for shows and hit hair metal. And you can see uh, the recent interviews that I did and all the other fun uh, topics that we covered with hair metal. Uh, and of course the fandom podcast network is on all major podcast platforms. Please subscribe to the fandom podcast network. We'd appreciate that. 
And the Hair Metal uh, Podcast is also on Twitter at Hair Metal Cast. You can also email us at hairmetalpodcast at gmail.com. And also, uh, if you go to TeePublic, you can pick up some Hair Metal uh, logo t-shirts as well. That supports us, so we appreciate that. Yeah, and this is episode 20 of the Hair Metal Podcast, 80s rock metal bands that should have been bigger. Mr. Mike Simmer, thank you so much. Please let our listeners and viewers know how to get a hold of you. Well, you can get a hold of me right through the, the, the Facebook page, the Hair Metal Fandom uh, uh, Facebook page. I'm on there. You can just reach out to me, Michael Simmer, uh, on Facebook. Always up for talking some metal. Awesome, man. Appreciate that. Uh, my name is Kevin Reitzel. You can find me on uh, Twitter, Twitter, which is now X, Instagram, and threads at Spartan underscore Phoenix. You can also find me in the hair metal group because I'm posting and sharing all kinds of fun uh, related topics there. You can also find me on the Phantom Podcast Network where I also co-host several other shows on the network. Uh, including Highlander podcast, Bloody Kings, our movie podcast, Cash Potato Theater, and Time Warp. I'm co-hosting uh, Culture Clash with my buddy Kyle, uh, Union Fed podcast, which is our Star Trek and Orville. We got a lot of great fandoms underneath the uh, Fandom Podcast Network umbrella. Please join us. Thank you, Mike, so much, sir. Appreciate your time, brother. Absolutely, it was a blast. Thanks for having me. I'm Kevin. Join me again next time here on the Fandom Podcast Network for the next episode of the Hair Metal Podcast where we will tease our hair with Aquanet, slip on those tight ripped jeans, leather pants, or lip service attire, and rock out in that leather motorcycle jacket. Remember, every rose has its thorn, and on a steel horse we will ride. Hair Metal lives! Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) 